Turn with me in your Bibles this evening uh, to the Psalms. We're turning to Psalm 136, please. Psalm 136. This had been what I intended to speak on this morning, but the Lord in his providence has left it that I should speak in this this evening. God willing, we have, we're we making this our motto verse as a church fellowship for 2024, Psalm 136 and the verse 1. And we're going to take time to read the whole psalm. This first verse will be our motto verse for the year, God willing. And it says in our motto verse, it's on the screen, we'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. And that will be our motto verse. That's what we want to take in our hearts out into the year of 2024 as a church fellowship. And what I would like to seek to do from the whole psalm this evening is to encourage God's saints but also to challenge the sinner, uh, the person who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour. There's so much teaching in this psalm. If I were to put a title over this psalm, it would be simply this, the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Let's read the whole psalm together and let's, uh, let's allow the Lord to speak to each of our hearts this evening. Psalm 136 in the verse 1. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth Forever to him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretcheth out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day. For his mercy endureth forever, the moon and stars to rule by night. For his mercy endureth forever, to him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. For his mercy endureth forever, and brought out Israel from among them. For his mercy endureth forever, with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. For his mercy endureth forever to him which divided the Red Sea into parts for his mercy endureth forever and made Israel to pass through the midst of it for his mercy endureth forever but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea for his mercy endureth forever to him that led his people through the wilderness for his mercy endureth forever 
to him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever, and slew famous kings, for his mercy endureth forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever, and old the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever, and gave their land for an heritage. For his mercy endureth forever, even an heritage unto Israel his servant. For his mercy endureth forever, who remembered us in our lowest state. For his mercy endureth forever, and hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy endureth forever, who giveth food to all flesh. For his mercy endureth forever. All give thanks unto the God of heaven. For his mercy endureth forever. Amen. And so reads the word of the living God. May he write it on our hearts. You know, I think you would agree with me when I say the most important part of preaching is not to miss the point of the passage And when we read this passage, surely we can agree that the point of the passage is virtually unmissable. Surely we can see that as we read this psalm. Surely we can't miss the message that God has for us in Psalm 136. To hear that repeated refrain over and over again, for his mercy endureth Forever. This is a psalm that is all about the mercy of God. Just six syllables long in Hebrew, repeated 26 times, ensures that we will begin to grasp the central message of Psalm 136. It's believed that this psalm was perhaps sung in two parts. Perhaps one part sang by a choir made up of priests and Levites, and the other was an individual singing, which which was most likely the high priest. And you can imagine the high priest standing there, and he sings out, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And the great congregation of priests replying back would say, His mercy endureth forever. Can you imagine it? How it would have sunk into the hearts of those sinners looking to a wee lamb that had been slain for their sin. How God, who had delivered them from Egypt, was merciful and his mercy endures forever. And this psalm was teaching these Israelites to consider all things in life with the thought of the glorious mercy of God. The theme of Psalm 136 just so happens to be the central message of the entire Bible. The mercy of God. This is a psalm that has five movements, if you like. If you were listening to a great symphony written by Mozart or Beethoven, there would be different parts of that symphony and they would draw out different feelings and different emotions and these would be called movements. And in this great symphony that we find in God's word, that there's, there's five major themes, five major movements, if you like, that we're going to explore this evening and seek to apply to our hearts. In the time we have remaining in our meeting, uh, this is what I would like to do. I would like to glean from these verses and apply the glorious thoughts found within to our hearts. 
The first thought is simply this. The first movement is simply this. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Look at the first three verses with me. They're lovely verses. Listen to, listen to the psalmist. Listen to the emphasis. He says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. The second verse. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Verse 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Spurgeon writes in the treasury of David, the exhortation of the psalmist is intensely earnest. The psalmist pleads with the people with a oh three times repeated thanks is the least that we can offer to the Lord. What is the first reason the psalmist gives us to thank the Lord for? Look at verse 1. For he is good. The Lord is good. Now that word good in the English language has been diluted to mean almost nothing. But when we read the word good here, we we read it in its purest sense. To say that God is good is to say that God is a perfect, he is the perfect, loving, heavenly father. God's goodness and love stand together hand in hand in this psalm. The Bible begins at the very start in Genesis by discussing the goodness of God as a primary attribute of of God who spoke this world and creation into existence and he called it good. And he called it very good. And God's goodness is a direct display of his love And his mercy towards humankind. God's goodness is his infinite, inexhaustible energy to be compassionate, to love. God's goodness is the mechanism, the arm of God's love and his mercy. It is the result and effect of his goodness that the Lord has mercy upon us. For he is good, says the psalm. His mercy endureth forever. You know, his mercy means that he pities us. He pities you. He pities me. He looks upon us and he pities us. Dear friend, he looks upon you with pity. God's goodness, it leads to his mercy, which is seen when he looks upon your sin. You're a sinner. Did you know that? And he pities the guilt and the result of it. And he he relieves the child of God from the burden of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, dear friends, let me say this. And if you're not saved, I want you to listen carefully. Dear friends, without God's goodness, there would be no hope for you. Without God's goodness, there would be no opportunity of repentance. Can I ask you, have you realised how good and merciful God is towards you? The God who created a perfect world, yet Adam and Eve, the first husband and wife, rebelled against him and brought sin into the world. And it is sin that separates us from God and all of us are sinners. And God should have destroyed the human race the moment they sinned against him. But give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. You're a sinner by birth and therefore by nature. And you're a sinner by choice. If you haven't trusted Christ, you're in a perilous position. 
But for the child of God, why does the psalmist encourage us to give thanks? Well, on that day that Christ returns, when the Lord Jesus will come to the air and he takes us home to be with himself, his blood-bought church that he has redeemed. And when we sit up there in heaven as his people, and we sing the praises to him who died, and we worship the Lord around the great throne, I believe that the sweetest song that we will sing up there is of the mercy of God. His mercy endureth forever. I don't know whether this will happen or not. But as we here see of sit in heaven, maybe if we have a moment just to meditate, to ponder how we got there, how we got there, surely will it not be the mercy of God? Will it not be the song of praise for what as God has done in pitying us and in having compassion upon us that we will look to him and we'll think to ourselves, what right? Have I to be here? And we think to ourselves of, 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 as we sit there in heaven, we may think to ourselves of the rebellion that we all took part in by our sinful nature. When Satan was cast from heaven and a third of the angels fell with him and came down. And when Satan entered into the garden, the subtle serpent and man fell and death came upon all men. And all were under sin and under death. And when we think that we are part, we were party in our sin to dethroning the sovereign God in our hearts, the God of heaven. Yet on that day as his people were sitting in heaven with him. We who, Paul says, were dead in trespasses and in sins. We who in time past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our way of life in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We who deserve the pangs of hell. Yet on that day, enjoying the pleasures of heaven. Those whose prospect was the excruciating torments of the lake of Gehenna. Now enjoying the ecstasy of eternal glory. With God and his Christ forever. Now I'll tell you on that day, it'll be all of mercy. Isn't that wonderful? Is it any wonder... That three times at the start of Psalm 136, we find that word, oh, that gives emphasis. The Lord's mercy is great upon his children. What a way to begin this psalm. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Can I ask you then, dear believer, tonight, first of all, do you give thanks to the Lord the way you ought to? For his mercy in your life, for his grace towards you, and for his goodness. Can I ask you, dear unsaved friend tonight, have you experienced his mercy in your life yet? I can tell you the answer is no. You haven't experienced it in its fullness. Know that by faith you would come to Christ this evening. The opening movement of this psalm, it is to give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. 
But then as we move through the psalm, we see from verses 4 through to verses 9 that we are to give thanks for creation. Give thanks for creation. Look at verse 4, please, with me. It says here, To him who alone doeth great wonders. Verse 5, To him that by wisdom made the heavens. Verse 6, To him that stretched out the earth above the waters. Verse 7, To him that made great lights. Verse 8, the sun to rule by day. Verse 9, the moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. And the psalmist, he considers God's wonderful mercy, and he says, to him who alone doeth great wonders, to him that by wisdom made the heavens. Now we have thought a lot about God's creation in recent months as we went through the opening chapters of Genesis on Lord's Day mornings. And none of us can deny, not one of us can deny the beauty of creation all around us. None of us can deny the beauty of the North Coast. None of us can deny the beauty of the Mourn Mountains. God has given us these things to enjoy with our eyes. And these verses teach us what theologians have called the general revelation of God. This means that through his world which he has created, God has put himself on display so that all can see. How wonderful and how gracious my God is. When you consider even the smallest details regarding the design of our planet and the design of this universe, even scientists are left in awe and wonder as they try to figure out how it all came together and how it all works. And they're looking through and they don't seem to realize that the answers to where this world all began is found in the book that we hold in our hands this evening. God has graciously made all things to glorify his name. When we look around us, we see the glory of God displayed. The psalmist, as he declares the goodness of God in his passages, God is revealed by the world and the universe that he created and all that is in it. And the psalmist wants us to see that. He wants us to know that the heavens are telling the glory of God. All of creation does that, but you know what he does? He picks out parts of creation that absolutely none of us can miss. I love this. He looks at what is most obvious. In fact, what's obvious and we see every single day as humans. Well, we see the sky, the heavens. Look at verse 5. He speaks of the heavens. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. He speaks of the the sea to him that stretched out the earth above the waters. And then he speaks of the sun. Look at verse 8. The sun to rule the day. And the sun, the focal point of our existence, the centerpiece from our vantage point of life and our universe, light is what brings life. And we think of all these things in the psalmist. He looks at three things that we can behold every single day. No wonder the psalmist in Psalm 19 says, the heavens tell the glory of God. You see, you could sit here the seat. You could listen in online. I don't know your heart. And you could maybe doubt God. Or you could question whether God even exists. And our psalmist says, and graciously to you, open your eyes. 
Look around you. Open your blind eyes. God has put himself on display all around in his creation. Creation sings the Father's song. And as Paul says in the New Testament, his power and his deity is in creation and the universe and all around us. Paul says this, he says, he says that because of creation, you're without excuse. Oh, the mercy of God that he would reveal himself through his creation. We give thanks to God for the beautiful things he has given us to enjoy in creation. So often don't we sing this hymn, we love to sing it in Grange, oh Lord my God. When I in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Saviour God to thee, how great thou art. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks for creation. Let's look at the next movement that comes in at verse 10. Give thanks for redemption. Give thanks for redemption. Let's look at verses uh, 10 to 12, first of all, in this little part. Listen to what it says. It's speaking of the Israelites and their, their journey out of Egypt here. It's speaking about God, his mercy upon the Israelites. And it says in verse 10, To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, verse 11, and brought out Israel from among them, verse 12, with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. Now I want you to look at verse 11. Surely this describes redemption. Here the Thomas refers to the years of suffering in Egypt and he focuses on how the Lord of mercy and where do you see these words brought them out this phrase brought out is a phrase the Jewish people would have used to describe their deliverance and you will know that the exodus from Egypt was an event that the Jews looked back on every year at Passover and remembered what the Lord had done for them and of course the exodus from Egypt is also a picture of the redemption of the Christian that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing is you can witness the mercy of God in God's redemption plan. You see the mercy of God without the punishment of Christ on the cross of Calvary as a substitute is ineffective. The mercy of God without Christ on the cross is completely ineffective and it means nothing to us. The mercy of God is ineffective without Calvary. Sinners can't cast themselves on God's mercy and reject Calvary. I wonder, can you see this, dear friends? You could say to me on the way out the door tonight, I believe that God is a merciful God, and he is. But that won't save you. There is only one way to be sure of heaven. And that is to repent of sin and place your trust in the finished work of Calvary. That's it. That's where mercy is found. And there's many who are only trusting that God will have mercy on them when they get to heaven. And hear them say, I'll get to heaven and maybe God will let me in. It doesn't matter what religion I am, I hear people say. We all worship one true God, and if he's a God of love and mercy, he'll let me in. Listen, friends, and listen well, and make sure that you think very carefully about this. God has no mercy 
apart from Calvary. You see, in the Old Testament, before the Lord Jesus came, there was something that happened among the Jewish people that painted a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a place where God dwelt in their camp. It was a place of worship. And it was in this place, the tabernacle, there was the holiest of holies. And that's where God dwelt. And there was a wee wooden box covered in gold. And on top was found something called the mercy seat. And this mercy seat was God's appointed place where he would meet with Moses and meet with the high priest once a year on the day of atonement. And and to be able to approach that place, you had to sprinkle the blood of a lamb on the mercy seat. There was only one way to enter and it was through the blood. And through the blood, God had mercy. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our mercy seat because he shed his blood for you. Instead of you dying and shedding your blood as a punishment for your sin, Christ, who didn't deserve, went to be your substitute. And instead of me having to shed my blood for the sins that I have committed and offended a holy God for, in his love he sent Christ to satisfy his wrath. Because God is righteously angry at sin. He's angry at your sin. He's angry at my sin. And yet in his love he sent Christ, who shed his blood instead of mine, who shed his blood for you, so that you could stand in heaven one day. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. You are a sinner. And Christ shed his blood for you. Can I say to those who are saved tonight, are you not glad to declare this evening that you're depending on the blood? Is there any wonder the hymn writer penned, tis the burden of that chorus over on the streets of light, that the blood of Calvary's mountain hath washed all our garments white, so I'll shout along life's pathway, till I reach that land so bright, hallelujah. Hallelujah, I'm depending on the blood. You see, Calvary is where God meets the sinner and extends his arm of mercy towards you. Wasn't it said prophetically of the Lord Jesus Christ in Psalm 85, mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other, the mercy seat. Have you been there, dear friend? Have you been to Calvary? Look at the next verses here, verse 13 to 16. To to him that divided the Red Sea into parts and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, verse 15, and overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, 16. To him that led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. His mercy is in our circumstances. Dear sinner friend tonight, God God is in this meeting by his spirit and he's drawing very near. And right now, in God's great mercy, he has you here in Greens Baptist Church and you're hearing his word preached and he offers you his salvation once again God is in your circumstances right now he has you here but can I say to the child of God at the outset of a new year when we look at verses 13 14, 15 and 16 we see how God guided the Israelites 
Can I say to you, child of God, at the beginning of 2024, the Lord brought Israel through the sea and through the wilderness. A pillar of cloud guided them by day, fire guided them by night. But it's important to see that the Lord's guiding hand was upon them. And as you go out into the year of 2024, child of God, I don't know what you will face. I can't tell you, neither can you. But I can tell you that the Lord will be your guide. Because his mercy endureth forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks for creation. Give thanks for redemption. For the child of God. Give thanks for protection. Look at verse 17. To him that smote great kings, 18, and slew famous kings, 19, Sion, king of the Amorites, 20, and Og, the king of Fashion, 21, and gave their land for an heritage, 22, even an heritage unto Israel his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. As the 40 years in the wilderness for the Israelites drew to a close, Moses led, Moses led God's people Israel back to the gateway of the promised land and on the way Israel came across many great trials and on the way Israel defeated many great and mighty kings and took their lands. And can I say, dear child of God, I don't know what your circumstances are today, what great trial you maybe even face today. Family crisis, a relative ill, maybe you face illness yourself. The God who guided the Israelites is the God who guides his children right now, today. We talked about the future a moment ago, but right now he guides you and he will not leave you nor forsake you. And in the trial you go through, you get on your knees. I know many of you do get on your knees, but keep you doing it. Get on your knees and tell them all about it. Weep before him. He hears your prayer. He counts your tears in a bottle. He is with you. And he's able to help you through the trials of life. What an amazing display of his mercy in the child of God's life. I don't know what you go through. These verses are for you. Don't you forget our Saviour while he was on earth said, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the Saviour who's with you. Psalm 103 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is God's mercy towards them that fear him. If you're trusting him today, his mercy is great towards you, and he's with you in the valley. To us, Second Corinthians says, he is the father of mercy. That means this, believer, everything in your life, every circumstance, everything that has happened and everything that will happen to you, there is the mercy of God in it. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, isn't it? Indeed, I'm led to believe that there's a place in Sicily. It's situated in such a geographical place that the sun never, ever is out of sight there. Never. And that's like the mercy of God in our believing lives. God's mercy is never absent. God's mercy is never invisible. It's never empty. And what a humbling thing that even in our trials and our tribulations that the God of mercy has his hand in it. Is there any wonder the psalmist says, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks for creation, give thanks for redemption, give thanks for protection.
give thanks to the God of heaven. Verse 23, who remembered us in our lowest state, for his mercy endureth forever, and redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever, who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 23 says, who remembered us in our lowest state. The one who saw you at your worst, who remembered us in our lowest state, will one day come and take us to glory to be with himself. The one who has redeemed us, verse 24, and called us his own, the God of heaven, will one day come and take us home if we're trusting in the in Christ as our saviour. It reminds me when I read that line, the God of heaven in verse 26, it reminds me of a future day. I wonder if you ever met a young man or a young woman and they just so deeply impressed you that you said something like this, you really have a bright future ahead of you. Well, nobody has as bright a future as the child of God enjoys. What does the future hold for the child of God? We are heaven bound and we shall see Jesus. Heaven is a perfect place created by a perfect God uh, and dwelt by a perfect people. Imagine that. Someday you're all going to be perfect. That's a miracle in itself, isn't it? We're going to be perfect. And we'll be in heaven and we'll worship him with our hearts made perfect. It's the most wonderful place that we'll ever experience. And our future, if we're saved, is bright. And we'll be perfectly restored. And the place that is perfectly restored, Revelation 22 verse 3 says this, And there shall be no more curse. Praise the Lord. And we'll be free forever from the contamination of sin. Heaven will be free from the effects of sin. No more Satan, no more sorrow, no more separation, no more hostility, no more disease, no more illness. Only peace and health and comfort and pleasure as we worship our God. We have never known a moment like this, but we will one day. In heaven we'll finally come out from under the staggering effects of Adam's original sin. No wonder this psalm calls us to give thanks. We have a wonderful message of God's mercy to proclaim. And we ought to sing praises and give thanks to our wonderful God because he's redeemed us, those who are trusting Christ as Saviour. He's redeemed us and called us his own. We see evidence of his mercy around us in our lives every day. And dear friends, one day those who are trusting Christ will stand in heaven and give praise to God for his mercy towards us. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Can I ask you tonight, are you going there? Are you? Do you know that one day when you die or maybe the Lord comes to the air, can I ask, will you just be left behind if he were to come? Or, or if you were to die tonight, if you were to die in the coming days unprepared, do, do, you, do you know you're going to be in heaven 
This is a wonderful place that God has prepared and in his mercy, our mercy for God even has you sitting in this meeting hearing the gospel message again. I plead with you, will you not come to Christ tonight, the one who died for your sin, and join in the song of thankfulness? That you could join in the song in giving thanks to the Lord for his creation around you? For redemption in your life, if you trust Christ as your saviour, he purchases you. The Bible tells us with his precious blood that you, you become one of his and one of his children. And you, you go from being a child of wrath to, to a child of the Lord and part of his family. There's no better place to be. And then, as a child of God, you can give thanks because once you come into the fold, the Bible tells you that, that he protects you. He protects you. And even if death does come, Romans 8 tells us that it can't separate you from the love of God. That's how wonderful God's mercy is. And he protects you even through death. And then one day... Your faith gives way to sight. You stand before him in glory. Will that be your experience? It will be mine. Because I know whom I have believed it. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which he's committed unto me against that day. What about you? The psalmist tells us, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. What a verse to take out into the new year. God willing, we'll have wee bookmarks that you can have, and you can put them in your Bible. They didn't quite arrive on time, but if we're giving thanks, we can't give off about the bookmark man. Um, so we, we'll wait patiently for them, and each of you can get a bookmark for your Bibles with our verse, our motto verse for the year in it. But we can say... What a verse to take out. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever.